What's up, guys? Super excited to let you know that we're now releasing transcripts of the podcast. It's linked in the podcast description. You can also find it on LinkedIn at Danny Langloss in our documents section. If you're not following us on LinkedIn, please do. We're releasing leadership content daily, really driving a ton of engagement. It's our main platform. If you haven't already for the podcast, please hit that subscribe button so you never miss another episode. Please give us a rating or a review. That really helps us reach more people organically. Thank you very much. Let's get after it. There are so many things that impact our ability to achieve success, but none are more important than leadership. Individuals and organizations rise and fall with leadership. We are here to help you rise. Thank you for joining us. This is the Leadership Excellence Podcast. Hello, leaders, and welcome to Leadership Excellence. My name is Danny Langloss, and today we're joined by Terry McDougall. Terry's going to share the secrets of winning the game at work with a focus on career happiness and success on our own terms. I don't know about you, but that sounds amazing to me. After 30 years of corporate business experience, 15 of which at the senior management level, Terry chose to become a coach to concentrate on helping leaders lead satisfying careers. Terry's now an executive and career coach, speaker, and best-selling author of the book, Winning the Game of Work, Career, Happiness, and Success on Our Own Terms. Terry, I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Welcome to the Leadership Excellence Podcast. Danny, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm excited for our conversation today. Yeah, me too. I've been really looking forward to this since our discovery call and just hearing about some of your motivations and some of the struggles and some of the strategies. I think this is, this is going to be great, going to be an action-packed uh, 30 minutes for our listeners today. Could you start by sharing a little bit about your corporate business experience? Uh, yeah, sure. So um, I spent 30 years in the corporate world, and I was a marketer throughout my, uh, my time in the corporate world. I, um, when I was in my late 20s, I decided to go back to business school and get an MBA because I felt like in my early days, while I was I was doing fine. I, you know, work for good companies and stuff. I just did not feel like I was moving up at the pace that I wanted to. And I could not figure out, you know, basically how to crack the nut. I've always been an ambitious person. I, I liked school. I did well at school. And I had those same kind of expectations in the corporate world. I wanted to move up. I wanted to be a leader. And, uh, you know, it's not as easy as what you might think it is. You know, I just kind of thought, okay, well, I'll just do the same things in the workplace that I did at school. I'll keep my head down. I'll work hard and I'll, somebody will come along and tap me on the shoulder and promote me. And it just doesn't happen that way. Um, So I decided to go back to school full time and I got an MBA. And when I got, when I got out, I definitely put myself on sort of a different track in terms of, you know, I was on a little different trajectory and I was able to move up a little more quickly and make more money and so forth. But it still wasn't, um, it still wasn't easy. You know, it still wasn't intuitive in terms of like, how do you do this? And, and I, I observed around me how, you know, some people that I didn't, you know, in my, my little world didn't think that they were exemplary employees, but yet I saw them getting promoted. And I, it made me really curious about like, what's going on here and what are they doing that I'm not doing? And I would say that I learned some lessons the hard way, but I also was really fortunate 
that I had some mentors who were ahead of me on the path who took an interest in me and in some ways sort of pulled back the curtain on what was really going on and started pointing out to me, you know, the dynamics of what was going on. And that was, that was really informative for me. And it really helped me to look at the workplace differently and maybe understand what was going on and, and actually see it as a game and start understanding how I could be a better player. And, uh, and then I got to a point where I, um, you know, I was leading marketing for different businesses that I worked in and I had teams of people reporting to me and I always took a real interest in mentoring and coaching people. You know, to me, it just made sense that I was only going to be as good as the people that worked for me. Right. So if I spent more time investing in them, they would be more productive. They'd be happier. They would stay on my team. They would get along with the people they needed to work with, et cetera. And, and it would just be a natural, you know, positive result for me. You know, my, my team and what I was charged with would get done more easily. So that just made a lot of sense to me. And, uh, you know, I, I got to the last place that I worked, I was there for 12 years, I had four jobs four leadership roles while I was there. And, um, you know, the last couple years, I, I was in a role that I, quite frankly, I didn't want the role <laughs> when it was offered to me. But sometimes you kind of get voluntold that, you, you know, like, we need you in this role, and we're going to put you in this role. And so I was there. And, you know, it, uh, I, I wasn't that happy. And so it just got me thinking about like, what's the next thing that I want to do. And so I just basically um, started looking at myself and saying, what are the things that I'm good at? and What do I like to do? And I, I recognized that aspect of being a leader, the whole coaching and mentoring part of that, that um, was appealing to me. And uh, yeah, so anyway, I probably answered a lot more than what you asked, but I'll just stop right there and let you follow up. <laughs> no, no, it was awesome because you just really described the essence of leadership. You just described the essence of everything that we value, that we believe, the reasons why you want to become a leader, right? And so, I, and, and it was funny because as you were telling your story about having a mentor who un, opened up your eyes to those dynamics in, in a way, I had a mentor that did that same thing. And um, help me get out of my own way and help me with some, some strategies that you wouldn't think necessarily would need to be implemented. But once implemented, like completely changed the trajectory of my career. And so when I, so I guess what I'll ask quick is, is are, are those dynamics and what was going on there, a lot of the foundational pieces of, of the book, of the information we're going to talk about today? Because if they are, then I'll hold off on, on that question. Well, yeah, I mean, I, when I um, started writing, I did not initially start out writing a book, I started writing a blog. And, you know, this, this happened, um, you know, I can't remember if it was like when I left or when I was getting ready to leave my job, I I just decided that, uh, you know, I was kind of looking back over my career, and I was thinking about lessons that I had learned. And I just, I felt moved to, to start to share some of this. And so I started the blog and, and I was getting good feedback from people that what I was writing was helpful. And, and in some ways it was my way of sort of processing and maybe kind of looking back over my career and making sense of the things that had happened. And, um, you know, as, as time went on, 
I actually, you know, had 25 or 30,000 words written and all the, the blogs and somebody, you know, brought my awareness around to the fact that I had enough, I, I had enough words for a book. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, you know, that, and then that got me thinking about this in a different way. And, and the, the blogs became sort of the seeds that grew into the book. Um, but, uh, you know, it was really about lessons and, and, you know, a lot of like reframing of, of experiences that I think a lot of people have run into. And, and a lot of times to them, it feels like they're hitting a brick wall. And, you know, I, I actually see it a lot that, and, and you kind of mentioned it too, like that when somebody shines a light on what's really going on or, or makes you step back and look at the bigger picture, you know, it feels like you hit a brick wall, but you know, in reality, if you step back, you see like, oh, well, there's a path over here to the left-hand side. <laughs> All I need to do is take three steps to the left and then I can just go straight, Yeah. right? But sometimes we don't see that because we sort of have our blinders on and we just keep running into the same brick wall. And we, we do need a perspective shift in order to, to get an, a different outcome. Yeah, 100%. I, I love that. So, you know, I was excited about this conversation, but understanding that, that this work came from the own struggles and challenges you faced from things that were uncovered by your mentor mentors, by just your experience, by figuring stuff out. Like this is, this is real life stuff from you. And so that makes me even more, even more excited. So what were some of the things early on that those dynamics that were getting in, in your way, what were some of the things that that light was shined on? Well, I mean, I, in the book, I write about um, this one really bad boss that I had and how I was miserable for close to a year because I, um, well, let's say I was miserable for a few months and then I made a change. I was sort of forced to make a change and I was, it became tolerable. And, and, you know, bottom line is that she, she was a new layer of management that was brought in and she, you know, when I look back now, I realized that she was a little insecure, you know, cause she was new to the industry and, you know, she'd been given this, this authority and she wanted to come in and flex her muscles. And so she was coming into a department that had been functioning fine before she came in. And, you know, she just wanted to come in and, and kind of flex her muscles. And she had the, she had the ability and the authority to do that. But I, rather than me recognizing that I, I resisted it and I avoided, she had some issues. She was very disorganized. She wanted to like review every single thing that I did. It was causing a lot of issues with meeting deadlines and so forth. And I made a decision, you know, kind of a naive decision when I look back to avoid (laughs) that. I was like, Oh, I don't need her. I'm just going to do my projects the same way I did before she came. And guess what? that got me in trouble. That got me called on the carpet. She sat me down and said, you better get yourself together or I'm going to put you on a performance improvement plan. And I had been a high performer (laughs) before that. And that really woke me up and made me, um, I, I actually changed my behavior in terms of, I stopped by her office every morning and poked my head in and said, hi, how are you this morning? Now, I, I didn't go into some of the things that she did. She was very volatile. Like one of my um, initial 
you know, introductions to her was sitting in my office and hearing her screaming at the dry cleaner in our building on the phone about them supposedly losing a pair of pants of hers to a suit that she had taken in. And, you know, I was like, well, you know, of course I'd be upset if the, the dry cleaner lost some pants, but that's not the way to handle it. And it's certainly not the way to handle it at work. <laughs> you know, so there were certain things that like, it really made you want to, you know, get away from her. Um, but when I, instead of going away from her, avoiding her, which I'd been doing, and I got in trouble for, I started going into her office and engaging her, even though I had to clench my teeth when I did it. All of a sudden, she changed. She, instead of uh, bullying me and, and, you know, really being tough on me all the time, she started stopping by my office and coming in and, and chit chatting and asking my opinions on things. And, and it really opened my eyes up to like, wow, you know, I was just, you know, kind of instinctively avoiding her because she felt dangerous and unstable and uh, confusing. And when I was more conscious about how I approached her, I got a completely different reaction from her. Now, you know, unfortunately for her, she found another victim <laughs> in the department that she started bullying. And eventually, the HR, you know, her, her boss in the HR department caught wind of her abuse, and she was fired. But and it's funny, because the day that she was fired, I remember sitting in my office, and, you know, it was like, uh, about quarter after five or so. And I was just finishing up some work before I was going to go home. And the the message light on my phone just popped on. I saw it pop on, which that always meant that there was like a blast voicemail that went out. It wasn't somebody calling me and me missing them. It was sending it. So I listened to it. And it was the, the head of de the department who was in a different city calling to let everyone know that this woman was no longer with the company. And you know, it was such a funny feeling. I, I was so relieved. I, I had felt like for she was there for 10 months. And I had felt like I was walking around with a heavy, heavy gun loaded for bear, right? Like I had to be so defensive. And, and, and then all of a sudden, she was gone. And I, I just realized that my you know, the misery that I had experienced. And, you know, I had been going home and complaining to my husband and drinking wine and doing all this stuff to try to cope with this. I just realized all of a sudden that, you know, that was all my perception of the situation. Like, yeah, she was, you know, she, she had problems. But my own misery was caused by me. <laughs> it wasn't caused by her. And that was a huge, huge lesson for me. Because, you know, it, it goes back to that old adage, you know, perception is reality. And, you know, I, I got a little bit of a taste of the power that I had whenever I like quite literally was forced to start engaging with her in a positive way, even though I didn't like it. She, she started treating me differently. And, you know, I also could have, I could have told myself different things like, you know, she's, she's the boss. And if she wants me to operate in a certain way, that's her prerogative. Even if I believe, and I knew that we could be more effective if we operated in a different way. Um, you know, that wasn't my place to do that. She was the leader. 
and it was my my job to follow her and i i was really quite miserable <laughs> because i was resisting that um so that that was one lesson that was one, so, one of many <laughs> so is it is it fair to say that this boss who was power and control authority totalitarian volatile that the the impact on you didn't wasn't constrained to the four walls of the workplace right Not the impact on you you know carried over into your personal life into your marriage into your friendships into your overall mm-hmm. quality of life yes absolutely it, it did you know it's fine it's one of the things we talk about all the time and the great responsibility of leadership there's so many things that that you've said through this that just trigger me um one of the things is that really to be a great leader you don't have to know how to lead yourself right and so you just talked about one awareness two perception three reframing for a proactive positive solution and when when you talked about this what i heard was this concept we refer to as leading up mm-hmm. and and at times we have to lead up and even a lot though, of times, <laughs> a, a lot, lot of times we do. I've had to so many times in my career, and I've, I've shared some different examples of that, you know, through the podcast. Um, and the power of perception just can't be understated. But I think that one for leaders listening, how we treat our people, how we engage our people, how we take things out on people, the way we lead has an incredible impact. I mean, I'm talking here with a person who's incredibly successful. By, by all means, you know, top of the line, top notch. But there was a time with this company that she was very successful at that she was considering leaving. She, they, they almost lost that talent. And she took it upon herself to lead up as I did in my career, because there was a time that I was going to leave early on and then end up at 33 years old, becoming the police chief. I'm glad I didn't. We made a lot of great positive changes with our team, with our people. Um, but we've got to understand the impact of that. And so if we're in that realm, right? If we're a frontline supervisor, a midline manager, there's somebody over us or somebody aspiring to work up, th- there are things that we can do. It's not a helpless cause. And, and so you've yeah. shared some really, really impressive things there. What, um, so positive solution oriented mindset, that's something I wrote down from our conversation last, last night. Um, that, I think that ties in to the story I just told. Is there another example of that? Or do you want to move on to a different skill set? Something like, uh, you talked about leveraging, you know, different points. Well, I mean, I, I can't, re- I'm, I'm pretty sure I probably told you the story of um, later on at that same company. I mean, it was a few years later. Um, I worked for a guy who was the head of marketing for one of the divisions and I was sort of his right-hand person and he ended up leaving the company. And at that time I thought that I was ready for that next level um role. And so I applied for the role. But when I did, I did not really step back and take a a really good look at myself. I just kind of made a lot of assumptions like I've worked here for eight years and people know me and, you know, I've stepped up and I'm sort of like informally doing the leader's job now, you know, now that he's gone and, and I didn't really prepare myself. And I didn't mentally promote myself to the next level and think about what I would need to do differently to be a leader. And I didn't think about how people would perceive me and, and see that gap and understand what I needed to do to bridge the gap. And so I just sort of like, you know, I applied, I uh, got an interview with HR, I advanced to the next level. 
and I, the next level was a panel interview with a number of um, people within the marketing department. And it was a large marketing department. So I kind of knew these people, but they were in a different city. And um, I just got really nervous in the, you know, I guess, I guess very much too late. I realized like, oh, I didn't really prepare. <laughs> Sure. You know, I just made a lot of assumptions and I, I bombed and I didn't get to advance. And it, and it really, it hurt me because I felt like I was already doing the job. You know, maybe I wasn't, I hadn't positioned myself appropriately to be seen that way, but within the department, I was doing the job. And um, I, I didn't like that feeling of, I, I felt humiliated and I felt like I really let myself down and I hired a coach to help me, um, with my confidence and how to talk about the value that I added and also to really see myself more objectively and to realize that there was a bit of a gap between where I was and how I was showing up and the way that people at that level showed up, you know, and just even some things that were, you know, kind of superficial was, you know, go get a haircut, get yourself like a nice, you know, corporate, nice haircut. And, go out and buy yourself clothing that is the next level up, right? You know, not go, go shop at a, a place that has more tailored clothing so that when you're showing up, people are saying, oh, she looks like a leader. And, um, you know, so I, de I decided to do that. And I didn't think that anything was going to come of it beyond just me being prepared if another opportunity came up. And as a matter of fact, another opportunity came up much more quickly um, because they went through the whole recruiting process and offered the job to someone who turned it down. And so they started all over again. And the second, um, this, during the second recruiting process, I applied again. And surprisingly, they let me interview again. And this time I made it all the way to the finals. It was me and an external candidate. And with that last interview, it was another panel interview, but this time it was with the CEO of the division and his two top executives. So much higher stakes. But I remember, I can still remember exactly where I was sitting. I remember what I was wearing, everything, where they were sitting. And I was so comfortable. You know, I, I, I knew my stuff and it ended up that they offered the job to the external candidate. And I did feel, you know, I felt a lot of ch chagrin for the fact that I didn't, I was a two-time loser, but the funny, um, I mean, I say that tongue in cheek because I'm proud of myself for going for it and, and having the courage to, um, to try again. But it, it has a happy ending because the day I found out that I did not get the job, a recruiter called me about an opportunity that eventually became a job offer. And during this whole period of time, I got another job offer and I was interviewing with a third company. It was just, it's kind of amazing sometimes when you open yourself up to opportunity and you, you, you prepare yourself that a lot of times that opportunity comes. And it ended up that I took one of the jobs, which brought me here to Chicago and it, it's a better job than the one that I didn't get. So yeah. <laughs> um, I got to do a lot more interesting, you know, high profile things. I made more money than I would have made in that job. So it was, it was all good. It was all good. Well, so I'm hearing a couple of things. One, 
you got to pay the preparation price. Stephen Gower, I'm a big fan of his. He's a big leadership expert. I've seen him present several times in, in live conferences at keynotes. And, and from hearing him talk, I created this formula. It's very simple. It's preparation plus opportunity equals success. And mm -hmm. we really don't know when that opportunity is going to come. You know, on the police department, the, the prior police chief wasn't even promoted to sergeant until he had 16 or 17 years on because there just was an opportunity. It had nothing to do. Um, but myself and a few others had opportunities at, at five years and, and six years, right? And you never know when those opportunities are going to come and we got to prepare for them and, and we have to be ready to try to capitalize on them. But there are times where we can prepare and where we can do everything that, that it is that we can do. We can leave it all in the field and we've got to be satisfied with that, even if we don't get where we're trying to go, but still keep a focus on what it is we want to accomplish and what it is we want to do. The ability to get knocked back down, to fill those human emotions, to dust ourselves off, to, to hire, you know, an executive coach, right. And to keep taking those steps forward and that belief in ourselves, because these mm -hmm. systems and processes, they're just not perfect. Right. They aren't. And, and the true integrity and character of a person isn't judged by, by how they respond when things are going right, when they're going well, it's how they respond and how they react when, when they aren't. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and so yeah. I think that there's just a ton of, of gold there. And the other thing that I wrote down while you were talking, I love taking notes when, you know, so I make sure that I, that I keep the front of my head is that understanding how people at that next level show up, taking a deeper dive, approaching people at the next level and saying, Hey, would, could, could I ask you for some help? When you ask people for help, that is one of the most powerful trust builders, powerful relationship builders, and get guidance and advice. You know, I really admire what it is you're doing, the success you've had. What are some of those secrets? What are some of the things you see with me? Getting that feedback, right? And it positions you in, in a place to be successful, even if they don't give you a, a ton of feedback or a ton of guidance. You know, the, the one example, I'll walk through it really quickly, is... I was third from the bottom on evaluations. I was two and a half, almost three years into the police department. I was doing a good job. Uh, the Lieutenant called me in and he said, I know you're frustrated. I know you're kind of upset. Um, this is a perception issue. You know, just like your boss, that bad boss you talked about was threatened by you, intimidated by you, th these different things that were leading to this. Um, he said, this is perception. Go talk to all five sergeants, tell them that you want to, you, you really want to, you know, be successful. You want to do the best you can do. You, you want to get better. Ask him to help you. He says, he says, not one of them are going to give you anything, Danny, because honestly, you're doing a great job. But by going and asking them for help, they're going to let their guard down. You're going to pay them the respect they feel they're due. And it's going to make all the difference in the world. And I did that five different conversations. I didn't get a piece of advice other than keep doing what you're doing, kid. You're doing a great job. And I went from being near the bottom of evaluations on a 30-person department to the top. And I was never anything less than number one again until promoted. And so that mm -hmm. power of perception and that whole idea, like don't be a victim, right? Be a champion. Take control of what it is that, that you want. Kind of begin with the end in mind and put in the work because, you know, I do believe that cliche, you know, if there's a will, there's a way. Mm -hmm. You know, I've seen it time and time and time again. And just because we hit into that wall doesn't mean like you said, take a step back. Oh, here's a pathway around it. Right. What, exactly. What's one more powerful lesson? Uh, one more powerful story that, that you can share with us as we start winding down? Well, I mean, let's see. You know, I think that one of the things that I see a lot with people is that, you know, the 
when somebody comes to me and they, they want to do coaching, um, sometimes I'll, I'll ask them, what is it that you want? And they say, well, I don't know. Like they just have a, you know, a kind of a, a niggling feeling like things just aren't quite right. And, um, you know, what, it, what I say is that like, look, you've got to get clear on what your goal is, you know, but and then maybe they'll say, well, I actually do know what I want. And they'll tell me, but immediately they'll start saying why they can't have it. Wow. And, and I think it's pretty natural for us to sometimes be fearful of wanting something too much because we don't want to be disappointed if we don't get it. You know, just like, you know, me with the, the job, I wanted to move up. And, you know, I'm sure that there's a lot of people that wouldn't have thrown their hat in the ring the second time because they didn't want to be disappointed or humiliated the way that I was. Um, but I knew that I wanted that. And so I was willing to, to say, I want that. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and when you want something and you get really clear on it, the next step is to look at, well, what's the gap between where I am and where I need to go and start taking action to fill in that gap. And, you know, that's why I hired a coach because I didn't know what I didn't know you know, everything that I had done at work had served me well to that level. You know, I was looked at a high, I was looked at as a high performer, mm -hmm. but I don't think that I was looked at as somebody that was ready for the next level. Nobody was coming along and, you know, saying, let's, let's promote her. Um, but I wanted that. So I think that if you're not getting, you're not getting that and you want it, go figure out what you need to do to get it right. Like find, find people, like you were saying, like ask for help, you know, get somebody to reflect back to you the way they see you. You might not like what you hear, you know, but if you don't know what the gaps are, you are not going to overcome them, you know, and, and, and we can all like kind of sit in the corner and lick our wounds and, and feel sorry for ourselves or say that like, you know, somebody else is moving up for some re other reason, favoritism or whatever. But that could be true. But that has nothing to do with you. You know, like if you want to move up, embrace it, and start taking productive action towards that. And even if it doesn't happen in the place where you're at, once you get in that mindset, you'll find opportunities just like I did, you know, I mean, it moved me halfway across the country. But um, it's one of the best things that ever happened in my life. Wow. Powerful, powerful stuff. Clarity. Uh, I interviewed Julie Ruska on our podcast early on in season one and talked about the secrets of the world's most successful people. Clarity uh, is, is at the top. And then you talk about something really important. What it is, is EQ. It's emotional intelligence, right? Mm -hmm. And it said awareness. It said, what is the gap between where I am and where I want to go? you know, the, the thing about great mentors and great leaders, they help us uncover the blind spots, right? They help us get out of our own way. And, and a lot of times we can't see things objectively. And that's when I hear a lot of people and I've seen it through my career, both from, you know, as a police officer, patrol officer, mm -hmm. the front line through middle management, through as the police chief, now as a city manager, now working as a consultant as well with other companies, like people are making these excuses, like, oh, it's favoritism or it's this or the other thing. Um, and most of the time it's actually not that that does happen. And, and in sure. organizations where there's negative cultures, but once, as soon as they start telling themselves that they have a legitimate excuse, excuses are a self-fulfilling prophecy for failure. 
we have to get solutions focused on what it is we need to do. And so whether you hire an executive coach, which honestly, I'm just learning more and more about is, as I do the podcast and as I, you know, learn more about what's mm-hmm. out there, because it actually isn't something I'd heard of before, before starting this show and before actually doing some consulting work myself, but get a mentor. You know, mm-hmm. I've got five mentors across five different professions and they really help you uncover and see things in blind spots in different ways. You know, and I, and I guess like when I talk about getting them in different professions or even getting an executive coach, somebody like yourself is because like city managers, after they've been in it for so long, see the things, the way city managers see them. Mm-hmm. And I might be talking to you about something and you'd be like, Danny, that's kind of dumb. Have you ever thought about this or why would you yeah. limit yourself to that? Well, that's what city, you know what I mean? And that's where that yeah. group think comes in. And yes. so this clarity thing, the negative thoughts is a, is a man, like I'm not negative that am I going to get it? Am I not going to get it? Or am I worthy? And then the way yeah, we talk to ourselves, man. It, yeah. And I think that, um, you know, if, if you're in a mindset of negativity now, listen, I, I want to say like, we all do it. We all do that. And we do it for a reason because we want to protect ourselves, right? It's a defense mechanism to think, you know, negatively, right? To, to be fatalistic about, I don't have any control over this, right? That, so if we don't get it, we can just say, well, I never had a chance anyway, but that's not true. And in that, in that place, there's no possibility, right? Like, because honestly, even if, the thing that you sort of in the, you know, in your heart of hearts, you really wish, but you're protecting yourself from seeing, even if that landed in your lap, you probably wouldn't be in the mindset to even recognize it. You know, so if you can shift yourself to a place where, you know, you can be honest about the things that you want, but um, also accept yourself when you don't get the things that you want. And, you know, talk to yourself in the way that you would talk to a loved one. You know, if you face disappointment, like I did, you know, that, you know, I bombed and then I bombed, I didn't bomb the second time, but the first time I definitely bombed the second time it was just, it was a hard one fight and I lost. Um, But to be proud of myself and to say, Hey, you gave it a shot, you know, and you know, my husband's really nice and he, he supported me in that too. But you know, I learned to talk positively to myself the way that I would talk to, you know, people that I really care about. And when you're able to do that, you're able to withstand more, you're, you're able to be more resilient, you're able to take those risks, because you know that you're not going to shame yourself if you don't get the thing that you want, that you can just say, hey, you, you did a good job. And look, you learned something. Yeah, 100%. As we as we as we walk out of this episode, is there anything that, that we haven't covered that we talk about career happiness and success on your terms? Is there any call to action or something you want to leave our listeners with? Well, I mean, I guess the thing that I would, I would challenge people to, to look at is what is your definition of success? You know, because we see what society says success is. It's like making a lot of money or having a fancy house or being able to, you know, go to Hawaii or whatever it is, right? And, you know, that's kind of the trappings of success. Like, what is what is success for you? Yeah. You know, because if you can get clear on that, you can start, you can start, you know, structuring your life to enjoy that. And there's more than one way to do it. It might, you know, if you get clear on that, 
it's, it might not be about getting the promotion. It might be about being able to do things that use your best talents or being able to have time with family or being able to be creative or whatever, you mm-hmm. know, but get clear on that and let that be your North star and not, you know, that next rung on the ladder, because that might never come, you know, to your point, sometimes, you know, there's, there's lots of other qualified people ahead of you and you're not going to get that chance, but don't let that make your life miserable. So we're talking with Terry McDougal, uh, wrapping up her call to action is to get clear on what your definition of success is. What does success look like to you? Terry, for our listeners, where can they find you at? Where can they find your book? Um, They can find me at my website, which is terrybmcdougal.com. I'm also active on LinkedIn, uh, handle Terry B. McDougal. And then my book, Winning the Game of Work, is available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be ordering that, taking a deeper dive. I know there's so much more to your work and, and so many more lessons, but that's what we have for today. And so leaves people with, with something to look at. You are an executive coach. So if somebody's looking to you know, level up their game, level up their life, and, and they feel like that connects uh, to reach out to you. In the podcast description, we will link the website directly to her LinkedIn page. Um, and then, you know, directly to our book as well, uh, to our listeners, if you're not following me on LinkedIn, you know, we're posting leadership content every day, seven to 10 posts a week, uh, driving a lot of engagement. there, trying to continue to add value. And when this podcast is released, we'll be, we'll be breaking down these, these different things, kind of, kind of going back through a few things. Uh, awareness is so key, the power of perception, the power in reframing, um, proactive communication, right? When you, when you reframe that power of proactive communication with your boss, but not just with your boss, with your team members, it's such a powerful, powerful thing. Um, you know, learn how to learn how to lead up, you know, leveraging what our strengths are, understanding, you know, getting clear on what it is we want and understanding the gaps between where we are and, and where it is we want to go. Whether you get an executive coach or a mentor or, or talk to a friend, it's, it's so important. Our mindset, being willing to talk to ourselves like we would our grandma, like we would encourage our child or our best friend, right? Instead of being, you know, instead of talking to ourselves like we would our worst enemy, which I think people do all the time. So Terry, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate uh, all what you shared. Danny, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed our conversation. Yeah, yeah, me too. To our listeners, if you enjoyed this episode, please hit the subscribe button so you never miss another episode. Consider giving us a rating or review so we can grow more organically. Um, We can help more people. And remember, always be committed to excellence.